good. Past, present, and or future. And welcome to Richard and Carl Presents Deep Space and Dragons. I'm usually Richard. And I'm usually Carl. All right. So before we get into our core topic this week, what's new in the Carlverse? Uh, well, you know, um, it's important to, uh, to, to keep an open mind and discuss things with people that you don't necessarily agree with. Uh, and, uh, this, this week I, uh, met someone who, uh, is so obsessed with guns, uh, that he brought an AR-18 with him to come have drinks with my buddy in, in the garage. And so then he's like, Hey, let's check out my guns. I was like, Oh, cool. I'll check out some, some guns. And he just like had some rifles in our garage. There are so many times where I start this segment, and it's not like I don't speak to you intentionally for a week so you'll surprise me. It's I could talk to you 10 hours ago or 10 minutes ago, and you will still surprise me. And it is both fascinating and terrifying. Like, oh man, I don't even know where to go with that, so... Well, I mean, I, I don't want to get too political about, about gun control or anything, but I mean, like I say, regardless of whether or not you uh, are pro-gun control or or would like gun control to be relaxed, uh, it's important to, to talk to people on both sides of the aisle. So I, I was, when he, when he said he had guns in his, in his car, I was like, well, he, I mean, I, I think guns are kind of cool. I don't, I don't own any, but you know, they're, they're cool to look at. And it's, it's interesting to feel the heft of an actual gun in your hands. So because I am me, Personally, I'm not going to go into my own internal politics on guns. I mean, I believe in a civilized society, cane fighting's where it's at, and I would like to see that come back around. <laughs> but I understand your point that talking to people on both sides, not every issue should be a political one. We're in a society where if I were to order a vegan wrap, that puts me in a political party. If I were to order a beef wrap, that puts me in a different political party. And if I were to order a chicken wrap, that puts me in a third political party. So I do agree that trying to politicize literally every issue is bad. A free exchange of ideas is vital for society. However, because of your history with destroying technology, my instinct here is to not let you have access to something that can obliterate a TV into so many pieces that there's no possible form of recovery. I, I, I should be clear. Um, the the guns had trigger locks on them, uh, and he did not even show me the key. So that there was no no possibility of the guns actually uh, misfiring or anything. Uh, like he he is he was really interested in guns because you know it's that's just his character his character I guess. Uh, but he also is uh, well trained in gun safety. I really thought so you were about like, to say gun foo there. I am so happy you said safety. <laughs> well, he, he 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 is an Asian Canadian with an anime style scar over his left eye. So, uh, and I asked him how he got the scar and he just told me sword fight. That is fascinating. <laughs> uh, so, so what's his... what's new with you, Richard? Well, now as I process what was just explained to me, well, quite frankly, so November writing month has definitely become my hobby of sorts, as I mm -hmm. am sitting a mere 2,000 words away from hitting my 50,000 goal this month. 
So you can expect okay. a manuscript to be dropped off on your desk at some point within the next couple weeks. Enjoy that. Right, right. And mm -hmm. between that and writing various assignments for up working on my degree and trying to keep up on all my various social medias and things and giving virtual mm -hmm. tours of a school, I would I want to say I haven't had a lot of spare time. But as I admitted mm. earlier in our pre-meeting meeting, I did create a bunch of game textures to make it so the female armor fully protected the characters in Dokapon Kingdom. I literally right. copied the texture file from the male characters and applied it to the texture file for the female characters mm. and it changed their outfit from being a armor kini to armor. And I'm amazed <laughs> how easy that actually was because literally all I did is put the male outfit on the female character and it fixed the problem completely. It was actually that easy. Have you considered uh, putting the female outfit on the male characters as like a, like a sign of protest? Yes, and if I did it right, when you go to play Dokapon <laughs> Kingdom with me later, you will pick the color I think you'll pick. You'll pick fighter and the match will start and you will be in a slingkini as planned. <laughs> yeah okay so if I did my predictions right I got you <laughs> although just we'll to see. verify so what is your favorite color for Dokapon Kingdom so I need to see if I guessed this right uh well I'm, I'm not even really sure um because I know I can control your picks a bit. You can't. You won't pick orange. It's against your very nature. Oh uh, yeah, orange. Orange is the worst color. You're not going to pick the white armor, and you're not going to pick the black armor because both of them are two edge lord in opposite directions. If I pick red, that takes that option off the table for you. Right, right, right. Which leaves blue, green, and pink. So I feel like you would take pink just as the casual protest vote. So that's where I put the slinkini for you. Wow. Uh, that's, I mean, pink is like my favorite color. I, I was actually leaning towards white. Damn it. Uh, oddly enough. Uh, but, uh, don't, don't you think it's a bit like on the nose to, uh, give the, the, the female armor to the male character that chooses pink? Counterpoint. Don't you think it looks, is also the most fashionable way to do it? <laughs> Pink is a great color. I am wearing a white and salmon striped shirt right now, and I am rocking that. So Pink is a great color. Salmon is not a great color. This is a line of contestion. Like, I, like this is a fighting words. I, I'm just saying I don't feel like wearing fish on my shirt. And I'm just saying fish is delicious. How dare you? <laughs> but anyway, uh, so, so what's our topic for the week? Well, our topic for the week is we're going to step into some classic battle anime that has been ripped off and remixed so many times that anyone, both jock and nerd, who grew up in the 90s has been in some way either willingly or unwillingly exposed to Dragon Ball Z. But before we deep dive into that topic, make sure to tune in at the end of the video and suggest your random questions or random dragon questions for your chance to win a digital copy of the Waltz of Blades Deluxe Edition. It hit some bestseller numbers. And, you know, it's the Waltz of Blades Deluxe Edition, so, you know, it's going to be like a, like a deluxe pizza with every, everything you want in one place. Or everything you don't want in one place, you never know. Only way to know is to open the book. And with that, 
Let's start this Dragon Ball Z question with a classic. So, I feel like giving... Actually, this is going to be fun. All right, Carl, you have one minute. Explain Dragon Ball Z to our audience. Go. Um, well, so Dragon Ball Z, um, it's the continuation of the story of our naive, spiky-haired protagonist who is unusually strong for an Earthling, uh, where he discovers that the reason he's unusually strong is that he's an alien, uh, and then ends up going and uh, fighting intergalactic threats uh, that would destroy the Earth uh, if if not for our spiky-haired protagonist. What's... Uh, and then he goes pew, pew, shoot, shoot, and shoots off some key blasts and uh, drops a giant ball of energy and saves the day. And not to mention that you, if you scream loudly, also, our entire generation knows for a fact that if you scream loudly, you will become more powerful. Well, I mean, yeah, but you have to scream for a very long time. You, you, it's like, ah, and then suddenly you're more powerful. So to, to com- segue in a super random direction to that, Dragon Ball is also the sequel to Dr. Slump. A show, a series that I have no idea how well it hel- holds up. To be completely honest, it is fascinating, but man. Uh, well, I mean, Doctor Slump is very much so similar to uh, to Dragon Ball in in tone and style, uh, and they do actually have a couple couple crossovers. Um, well, no, Dragon Ball and Doctor Slump have one crossover, I guess. And then Dragon Ball Super and Dr. Dr. Slump have a crossover as well, but... There's like a, what, a solid 30-year break between those two crossovers? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, because Dragon Ball Z was finished, and then our unfortunate uh, half-brother, Dragon Ball GT, uh, was somewhere in the middle there, but... For the record, Dragon Ball, like GT. Dragon Ball GT... For Dragon Ball GT, one thing I find fascinating about it is it wasn't written by the original author. But it was written, it weirdly does what the audience wanted, but the audience didn't know what they wanted. So, for Mm. Dragon Ball Z, Akira Toriyama spent a lot of it being a troll. For example, in an interview, he directly quotes and says, I never originally planned for Goku to be an alien, but I thought aliens are cool, so now he's an alien. Mm. So this is a writer who wasn't setting out to write an epic, intense, fate of the world space opera. His goal was to write comedy and got forced kicking and screaming to write martial arts because it was more popular at the time. To the point where the main villain Piccolo is a sketch of his editor. (laughs) I say the main villain Piccolo, but Piccolo has one of the most fulfilling arcs in fiction. Uh, Yeah, that's true. He definitely uh, has this uh, beautiful and smooth transition from being full-on villain that wants to take over and destroy the world to being uh, a caring father for his adopted son that, that his adopted son's real father doesn't doesn't love enough. It's kind of fascinating. So a fair number of my group of friends went through Dragon Ball Z growing up because it was next to impossible not to. Like, this mm-hmm. is how I made friends with football players while I was being in Yu-Gi-Oh! tournaments. Like, it was like Dragon Ball Z was a cross bridge. Even in kitchens. Mm-hmm. I had a kitchen manager... Well, I'm like, okay, this guy, he seems pretty angry and serious. And I'm like, Dragon Ball Z is like, yeah. And then best friends instant. But for my current group of friends, when I start showing them Dragon Ball Super, they're far more invested in domestic Vegeta and Piccolo being a good grandfather 
than they actually are in the world ending super martial arts. I think they would much rather it turned into a sitcom at this point. Uh, well, you see, that's kind of the interesting thing because um, Akira Toriyama, as you mentioned, was, was kind of forced to take the series uh, in different directions than what he was really wanting to write. Because Dragon, Dragon Ball uh, follows the story of, of young Goku, uh, who, as I say, you know, he's an unusually strong for, for an Earthling, and that's, <clears throat> that's kind of part of the whole bit is that he's just unusually strong for an earthling and so then people try and like shoot him or beat him up and he's like blocks bullets or or just doesn't get die from being shot in the head i mean one thing i really find <laughs> it's kind of funny uh, the things that'll frustrate fans of a series myself included so very early hmm. in dragon ball it was the iconic story of young boy meets young girl and young girl shoots him in the face which i mean bulma does cool. not shoot enough people in the face from that point of the series on I mean, yeah, he shoots him in the face point blank, and his skull's just too hard to, to be penetrated by the bullet. So then we get to Dragon Ball Super, and there's a scene where he takes damage from a bullet, and the entire internet flipped the table. <laughs> it's like, how dare? This isn't... He blows up planets because he can punch some. He punched somebody through a planet before. No, bullets don't hurt him. And I'm like, maybe bullets got better. Actually, I think it was Panda who proclaimed, ever think that bullet technology's just getting better? And then, sure enough, in Dragon Ball Super, Bulma makes an anti-Goku bullet specifically. <laughs> but, but, uh, so, like, the the series, you know, boy meets girl and, and, and goes on adventure, and then he kind of actually circumvented the trope by just, like, having Goku not be interested in women and be only be interested in martial arts. I mean, the internet's still, like... another trope. I'm pretty sure the internet's, like, 30% sure that Goku's actually an ace representative character that got tricked into a relationship. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so it, it's very clearly uh, a comedy. Um, and, and then Dragon Ball Z starts, which is kind of after the, the arc of of uh, Dragon Ball, there's a pretty nice uh, ending to Dragon Ball, and amusingly, kind of picks up at a pretty nice. Dragon Ball Z's. Or, a, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it opens with a little bit of a, with a time skip, uh, where Akira Toriyama has his obligatory uh, women become pregnant off screen and have kids. Oof. <laughs> oh, no. I have been triggered. Day. Like I'm literally <laughs> giving that speech in class in a couple weeks. Like we're doing a TED Talk style talk on it, <laughs> on that trope. Uh, but then, suddenly Goku has a family, and he needs to be all serious and save the world all the time. Uh, and people who like Dragon Ball, there's just a very sudden shift to Dragon Ball Z, and it, it's fun and interesting and, and cool to watch in, in different ways, uh, but it loses a lot of that comedy, which then kind of comes back in Dragon Ball Super, uh, and a lot of that in the form of like the domestic Vegeta jokes, where he, you know, he takes his son to to a, a uh, an amusement park. Uh, Vegeta is such a better think, father than Goku. I just need to put that in whenever I'm able to. But continue. Uh, Dragon Ball Super is, is is a much nicer balance of the two. Like where it has a lot of more of the comedy aspects, but then also still has the interesting. Uh, world-ending aspects that, that people... The epic world-ending aspects, I guess. Not necessarily interesting, but epic. I will say this, though. When trying to bring people through Dragon Ball Super, because I try and... 
So I show them the first episode seri- season of Dragon Ball Super in movie form because the Dragon Ball Battle of Gods movie was just great. They introduced a villain mm. that was somehow more lovable than the core cast, which caused mm. this weird dynamic where you're actually voting for Lord Beerus because, yes, I too want to destroy the world when someone steals all the dessert at the buffet when I just politely asked for one and then they licked them all in front of me. Yeah, no, someone needs to die for that. That is fair and balanced. Hmm. So you show people the Dragon Ball Z movie, which smoothly transitions. It's kind of funny. So Dragon Ball Z ends with another time skip. But the Dragon Ball Z movie realizes that no one's familiar with the time sk- this third major time skip. So they just kind of like lined it up to where the Dragon Ball Z series ended for this movie. Then the movie did well enough, it brought the series back from the dead to Dragon Ball Super. But mm. part of that is what made that movie do so well for me is... The comedy was really good. Mm. Where so much anime has so much punching that, quite frankly, there's better combat choreography in any show in the last decade than original Dragon Ball Z had. Right. But the comedy was so pitch perfect and on point. However, one thing that you pointed out while we were going through Dragon Ball Super once upon a time is that Goku turned into a caricature of himself. Yeah, yeah, he definitely uh, devolved. Uh, Goku definitely has the opposite of character development. Um, because, like like I say, in, in Dragon Ball, he's a kid, he's exploring the world. In Dragon Ball Z, he's a father, and he's saving the world. And then in Dragon Ball Super, uh, he's just a kid with world-ending powers. I mean, I do appreciate that in the later halves of Dragon Ball Super, they actually play that up where they're like, no, seriously, the world's going to end because of your poor life decisions. And I'm like, yeah, the show gets it. But... Mm. (laughs) Although, one thing to loop back around to the cousin of Dragon Ball GT. So Dragon Ball GT went the opposite approach of Super and removed, like, the vast majority of the comedy, focused in on Goku, and it's like, they actually did a lot of things fans wanted but there was no heart in it, and you could tell that there was no heart in it. So all the jokes fell flat, the combat scenes lacked the balance. So Dragon Ball GT is kind of what happens when you have somebody trying ghostwrite without realizing... This is why, like, the classic, what did the author mean by the blue door? And the, uh, some people are like, it means the door was fucking blue. Other people are like, well, it's because of his emotional state, when the only real answer is to actually ask the author why the door's blue. Because <laughs> when you just guess, you end up with the Super Android 17 saga. Well, we've used up our one swear word for this PG-13 rating. Oh, no! <laughs> I didn't even realize! La gasp! <laughs> uh, anyways... Um... <laughs> <laughs> but it's also also interesting, uh, like, well, for Dragon Ball GT, um, now that I'm, I'm thinking about it, I don't really remember the, the choreography style, um, but more more to your point, uh, Goku is trying very hard not to be the main character by the, by the end of the Cell Saga, and then he becomes the main character again, everybody loves the Boo Saga, and then they try to make him the main character Disclaimer! Again, but this Disclaimer! Disclaimer! No, no, no. Stopping you right here. Trunks. No, no, no. Pause. 
You do not get to say on my stream, everyone liked the Boo Saga. No. Okay, not, not, not everyone liked the Boo Saga, but it obviously did well enough that they decided to do Dragon Ball GT with Goku as the main character, but adding Trunks because everybody did love Trunks. Man, they completely forgot what made Trunks cool. It's like, so I'm, so Trunks is what happens when you take a bunch of character traits that should not work and somehow make a mm -hmm. character cool. So he wears waist-high jeans. <laughs> he has a bowl cut. He has a crop top purple jacket, matching purple hair, and is somehow cool. And it baffles the mind. And the reason he's so cool is we just watched Goku versus Frieza, which is still one of the longest fights in anything ever. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the only thing that beat it was one of the, was like Sakura versus Sasori and Naruto Shimpuden, and that was like 80% flashback. Like, Goku versus Frieza <laughs> was a long fight. So we watched Frieza, who, by the way, in Dragon Ball Super is just one of my favorite characters, because... So you know how we mentioned Dragon Ball gave some characters some truly beautiful, wonderful redemption arcs? Frieza mm. didn't get a redemption arc. He got the opposite. He is staunchly believes he did nothing wrong. He couldn't have possibly did anything wrong. Everyone is an idiot for thinking he could change. He's perfect and wonderful the way he is. <laughs> like, if he had a reverse character arc, and it was kind of great. Uh... But you were saying about uh, the fight between Goku and Frieza? Yes. So they do all this build-up for the Goku-Frieza fight. And then they have Trunks show up and just completely stomp Frieza and a bigger Frieza in such a glorious scene that if the character did nothing else for the rest of the show, and he did, in fact, do nothing else for the rest of the show, his entry was mm -hmm. so awesome that he hits the top ten coolest character list every time. Because <laughs> he didn't actually win a single fight after that until, like, he goes back to his own timeline and then is awesome again. I'm pretty sure when he's near Goku, it just makes him less awesome by proxy, and it's a serious problem. Uh, well, I, I feel like Goku is unwittingly an energy vampire. That tracks. Also, he literally has that power if you stop and think about it. <laughs> Like, not a metaphor. He steals the energy out of things. So, shout out to Dragon Ball Z abridged here, because there's a scene. Oh, so many good scenes, because they effectively just voiced over Dragon Ball Z to be slightly more comedic. And a lot of mm. their scenes I enjoyed more than the original series. But there's one scene where Goku's charging up his signature spirit bomb, gathering energy from life. He's like, a little more couldn't hurt, and then they show a scene of a deer dying. And it's just so great. <laughs> Okay, so, um, the choreography, you, you mentioned briefly on, on choreography, um, and original Dragon Ball, uh, was kind of interesting because it was like, almost every move had some sort of, like, name, and if you watch the, this, the show, particularly the, um, the tournament arcs in the original Dragon Ball, uh, each episode is basically like each character gets one like attack. They do like one move each per episode, uh, and so then you don't have quite nearly as much of like the the repeating like where they're throwing punches back and forth. Or Dragon Ball GT was really awful for using the exact same frames of animations 
uh, like five or six times in the same episode. So to um, comment on to that scene, just a little fun fact. So in Dragon Ball GT, the beam charging sound effect, they literally stole the MIDI file from Mega Man X, and it's the exact same beam charging noise that the X-Buster makes. And I'm so used to that game, they're like, Vegeta's like, shine old shine attack. I'm like, I know that sound in my blood. <laughs> it's like, no, that is the exact sound clip for sure. I have fired hundreds of thousands of Mega Buster shots. I know that sound. 10,000 hours of Mega Man Busters fired. You're an expert in firing Mega Man Busters. Like, if I actually ran a timer, I probably am. Like, because the moment the sound hits the final note, you know your blast is fully charged. You don't look for the graphic. You listen to it to know to fire the shots most frequently because those games weren't nice and I was not a coordinated kid and I needed to get good. <laughs> uh, but then uh, Dragon Ball Z definitely has a lot more of the like the repeated punching animations but I, th- I think they still didn't they still wanted to have a more concise choreography which is probably part of the reason they broke things down into like the the screaming and charging parts uh because they didn't want to like just reuse the same punching and kicking animations over and over again one thing that's hilarious Ball though, GT, they didn't care at all yeah dragon ball gt definitely suffered from the our series is already successful so we don't care what you think but what's interesting uh, to me about original Dragon Ball is they literally call out the animating trope of you make your characters move so fast they're just motion lines when Krillin and Master Roshi explains what happens in the one second motion line in a fully drawn out skit. Because <laughs> yeah. the animation trope of you just draw explosions and then people are like, oh, they're moving so fast. It's just boom, 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 boom. It's like, well, first I moved over here and then I can you hold me up and then I do a kick, right? <laughs> I remember that now. <laughs> yeah, because they're at the at the tournament at the tournament, and then they get the announcer to carry them around to pretend that they're doing this this reenactment. One of my favorite characters in Dragon Ball Z, because growing up, I definitely like we would get all the Dragon Ball Z games for PlayStation Two when they came out. So when Dragon Ball hmm. Z Budokai 3 came out, and the announcer... I think one of my favorite characters is always the World Tournament announcer, because it was the same guy, and that was kind of the joke. Is His hmm. hair is getting slightly grayer each time he shows up, but he is committed to these World Tournaments. And one of the best jokes hmm. is like, you guys weren't at the last couple, and they were so boring. People were just punching and kicking each other like savages. Like, I want lasers <laughs> to be thrown. This is just unacceptable. <laughs> Uh, but then, so then Dragon Ball Super, uh, say what you will about the original release and the animation quality, uh, their choreography definitely has large, has been way, way upped, uh, from any of the other entries in the series. Well, what happens for Dragon Ball Super, and a fair number of people who have went through it with me notice this as well. So the first two arcs, you're better off watching the movie versions. Because they literally For took sure. these movies and tried to stretch them out into plot arcs. You get mm. to the next arc and you're watching a tournament because every three arcs in Dragon Ball Z must be a tournament. It's been decided by international law. Every three plot arcs must be a tournament. So we get to the Champa tournament. And mm. the animation's going up a bit. But then we do another break. And then when we get to the future trunks again plot arc, they decide to actually bust out their good animation team. And I'm right. like, oh, wow, you guys turned up to Levin. But in what's the most Dragon Ball thing that's ever been put to TV, and it either makes or breaks people, 
is when they're like, we're having a tournament that's 48 minutes long. And fans are like, okay, we're going to watch this 48-long tournament. You watch the first episode, and then it says 47 minutes remaining in the tournament, and you realize each 22-minute episode translates to one minute of Dragon Ball Z time because they're moving so incredibly fast. And it is my favorite thing anyone's ever done because they actually committed and did the full 48-episode tournament for this one fight <laughs> sequence. And just, I don't think anyone is going to ever be that brave again. Uh, just as, as an in, as, as aside somewhat, um, they don't talk at super speed. <laughs> so so it, it's like each one of these actual fight sequences has to only be like half a second long or something. Uh, like I watched YouTube videos try and speed it up to be the actual speed it is, and they're hilarious every time. Because <laughs> uh, people on the internet have taken to actually chopping up these episodes and making them into movies. Mm. Which I support that endeavor. Also, so I watch a YouTube series called Tulak the Brewbarian, who makes fictional characters as D&D playables. And he did a special mm-hmm. of subclasses. And he made a paladin subclass, which his joke is, Jimmy Cro- Jeremy Crawford on the internet said unarmed strikes can't be used for paladin smite, so he made a subclass to get around that. And he made the Dragon Ball Z subclass effectively, where you can spend up to okay. one minute powering up. Each round you spend powering up gives you plus one to all your attack rolls. You can take off your spend an action to take off your armor to boost your stats and speeds for a minute, and just went through like all mm-hmm. the Dragon Ball Z stropes in this Paladin subclass. And I just, like it's so <laughs> the idea that he's like I built this class that if you spend a full minute shouting, take off your armor, power up, you can fire energy blasts, move, get like plus ten to your rolls, but your team literally had to defend you for twenty rounds of combat for you to hit your maximum power level. <laughs> That's how iconic Dragon Ball Z is. It's like, man, he hit all the tropes in the subclass. And if you say, like, oh, yeah, I spend a minute to power up, Dragon Ball Z is iconic enough that that statement just makes sense. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z is definitely an icon of the 90s. And with that, time to give out some... Fancy Volta Bay's Deluxe ebooks for our random dragon question and random questions of the week. So, mm-hmm. starting with our random dragon question. And stop me if I asked this one already, but can a dragon wear shoes? Uh, no, I don't think you have asked that one already. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a dragon wear shoes. Uh, but, I mean, if you imagine, like, a, a Chinese-style dragon, um, but like a like a centipede, <laughs> uh, like one of those like, cartoon centipedes, I, uh, I think it would look comical, but I, I don't think it would be, like, ridiculous for him to be wearing, like, a hundred pairs of shoes and just flying around. It would just be kind of be a, a pain in the butt to uh, either take them off or put them back on again. It's kind of interesting because when you look at like Dragonborn in D&D or Shenron in Dragon Ball Z or our buddy Shendu from Jackie Chan Adventures. Ooh, you no all do wear shoes. No, because the dragon foot is so iconic to give them like the cool dinosaur-esque foot that if you put them in shoes, it would be easier to animate, but your character would look objectively less cool. So, <laughs> I mean, I like to say that Yoshi is a dragon because he can grow rings and breathe fire. 
But Yoshi wears shoes. Oh, yeah. And he might not be a dragon. I think that's the qualifiers. I do not think you can wear shoes and be a dragon. I am mm. shocked that this is the differentiating case, but if any of our fans can post into the comments an example of a dragon who wears shoes, I will okay, be more okay, than happy so, to retract the so, statement. My example of, of the uh, Chinese dragon that has many feet and wears shoes, uh, you, you would call that a flying centipede instead of a dragon? Yep. I suppose that's fair. I don't. I don't actually have any examples myself of dragons wearing shoes. So, yeah, just I think that's the factor. I'm shocked that it came to something so simplistic. But unless until proven wrong, you cannot be a dragon and wear shoes. You lose your dragon status. <laughs> All right. What's the what's the random question of the day, Richard? Our random question is. If everything in the universe, including atoms and particles, stop moving, does time stop? Or does time continue even if everything else is frozen? Um, well, uh, so if you move super, super fast, the faster you're moving, the less time acts upon you. Uh, but the faster you're moving, uh, th that means that, that the, the, the at least less frozen you are, right? Uh, so if everything in the universe were frozen, hypothetically speaking, you would either reach a time where time, reach a point where time is hugely affecting everything on the, in the universe, or perhaps you would, could go so slow be so frozen that you're actually going back in time to before you froze. That's an interesting point, because if everything's frozen, then it's really how it's relative to you. So, a while back, I was having a discussion with my friend of mine of which superpower would I have in the series My Hero Academia. And we both mm. agreed that time stopping would be a great power. But I mm. pointed out that if you slow time to almost stopped, there's almost no negative side effects to your body. If you stop time, you would technically be blind, your body would overheat, and you'd boil alive within seconds. Because mm. you need air colliding with your body to vent heat. You need light hitting right. your eyes to see. You need sound waves hitting your ears to hear. So if you actually stopped time, you would, by just physically being stopped and the world still being frozen around you, I think you would just die. Like, you could slow time down to such a crawl, but if you ever stopped it completely... I don't think you could build a t like a suit that would let you successfully do that without just being dead, because your body is not a 100% closed system. So I think if you slow time to a crawl, then time's still going. It's just going so slow you can't measure it. If you were to actually stop time, I think you would technically stop existing, because well, yeah, you wouldn't yeah, be able yeah, to but, interact but, but, with anything. But but the random question is not whether or not you you're stopping time, but rather you're you're stopping everything except possibly time because you know time is theoretically uh not actually a like a, a physical um particle that could be that could be stopped so it's woven into the very fabric of the universe itself so that's kind of weirdly where i was going with my answer is that if you were to stop time then nothing would exist. Like you can't, if you were to actually 100% top time, mm. you couldn't interact with anything because time is vital for anything to happen. 
So if everything is frozen, there must still be time. Well, if everything is frozen, there would be no time. And then there would be nothing, because nothing could ever unfreeze it because everything is frozen. So if absolutely everything was frozen, technically nothing would exist. Because everything uh, requires so that... some motion to even be objects. Well, you know, like, what if that's the that's the whole thing about how uh, the universe resets itself? You know, everything slows so slow uh, and gets frozen such that uh, time begins to reverse because everything's just going so slow. And with that, we will wrap up today's episode. So, a couple ebooks for the Waltz and Plays Deluxe have been sent out to our lucky question volunteers. And feel free to comment on YouTube if you have your random questions or random dragon questions of the week. And if you're listening to this in podcast form, a special shout out to our friends on Patreon for making this move its way to all of your devices. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening this week. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll hear you, see you, possibly, not with our eyes. Especially if time uh, in stops. In an unspecified time in the future. Provided time just doesn't stop between now and then. Take care. Bye. <laughs> bye.